0: I have to be willing to expose that part of myself I'm not always proud of.
1: in sheen as a paedophile, Italy's winning entry for campist and worst dubbed fashion photographer and the least trustworthy fox in all of France. Completing this list of worst blind dates imaginable, I'm Jim Hall.
0: And I'm Phil Walsh, whispering sweet nothings down your lovely, lovely ears for this 15th midnight video. Tonight, before Hannibal Lecter, Jodie Foster had a decidedly low-rent predator spar against in 1976's The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane.
1: A failed free love community, erotic wrestling, and girls wearing ties, we finally go giallo for 1972's The Case of the Bloody Iris.
0: And as he visits amazing cruelty on his bestial brothers we ask, is the hero of 1930s animation The Tale of the Fox, a cunning Machiavellian strategist, or just a total bastard?
1: 15 already um, how's your week been you've been up north
0: yeah I visited the older familiar uh, it, was, it was nice it was flying visit mm. it was pretty quick but none of them had seen Zeb for ooh, god best part of a year now so he was just running rampage uh, and they, they all loved him luckily and I found out that my little cousin who's just turned 15 She's a massive horror film fan. All right. I was really surprised. Well, I shouldn't be that surprised because her uncle, um, he's a big horror buff. But mm. yeah, it's quite strange talking to. Wow,
1: girls the age when you turn against your parents? And you yeah.
0: Well. They yeah. I, they, they must have a lovely family unit. <laughs> yeah. Horror films can unite families. That's. Uh, yeah, that's, so that's interesting. I was quite impressed. Like she was really jealous I was going to fright fest. Yeah. So Did you let f- her
1: know you had your own
0: podcast? Yeah, but she was like, oh, you know. Is there like, an app oh, for oh, it, probably? Or <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I haven't got too much to report. I went to see Grant Morrison this week, the oh. comics writer. Uh-huh. Yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah, that was at uh, Foyles on Charing Cross, but uh, quite an interesting crowd there.
0: How was he, was he, he was
1: very trying? good. Um, it was him. He was being interviewed by the journalist Sam Leith, um, who kind of knows his stuff, Um Certainly. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things when the, the, the microphones didn't quite work and, you know, it was all quite amusing. But no, given that Grant Morrison, if people aren't familiar with his work, doesn't just do superheroes, um, I mean he does, he does them very well, but he also has a lot of theories, uh, should we call them mystical theories? Yeah. He's a bit of a William Burroughs character, I suppose, very, He's very much, much delving so. into those states of consciousness and whatever, but... Um, this did encourage some amazing questions from the audience where you know I, I had to keep nudging uh, my friend <laughs> so really, when someone was sitting there saying so this fifth dimensional entity you've discussed who might be like a reader reading us as a comic uh, do you have some kind of Socratic conversation with them? <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, that was, the th- that was the tip of the iceberg so wow. uh, yeah I wish I'd recorded some of it, we could have <laughs> certainly used it here, but no, that was great I uh, really enjoyed that But yes, you've not tuned in to uh, hear about comics, so uh, should we crack on with some films? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do
0: it. Her son says I'm a pretty girl. If you've ever fancied Home Alone with added drama, tension and a lead you don't want to punch in the throat, then 1976's The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane might be up your street. A very young Jodie Foster is the precocious Rin Jacobs, who's always quick to change the subject in response to nosy neighbours' questions about her elusive poet father. When snotty landlady Alexis Smith takes badly to Jacob's insolence, Rin demonstrates just how resourceful she can be, confining only in Mario, a local young magician with a limp.
1: Well, first off, thanks to our friend Andy who sent us this through the post. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, again, not a film i have heard of before, although I think someone else suggested it on our discussion thread.
0: Quite possibly yeah. Marie? I, I'm
1: thinking it might have been Marie. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely one that there's some interest in. Had you heard of this? No, no, no. I hadn't.
0: Considering it came out at the peak of her. Uh, Foster Mania. Yeah, I mean, what is it, 76. So, so she'd, she'd done, done Taxi Driver. So she Taxi yeah. Driver and Freaky Friday. Yeah. And, yeah. The Holy <laughs> Three. Yeah.
1: For any Jodie Foster <laughs> pre
0: adolescent <laughs> fan, yes.
1: Um, but no, I'd not heard of this, and the title kind of suggests it's going to be um, a horror movie of some sort. And certainly, the poster is. Um, have you seen that? It's kind of a silhouette of this girl with the kind of path leading. The blue. Off, yeah, yeah, blue yeah. One, yeah. It looks very much in the Rosemary's Baby kind of or Omen. I suppose was the same year as this, wasn't it? Um, it's not quite that.
0: it um, is It was marketed, I think, as a horror. Uh, when that's kind of misleading. That. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but I've got to say I really enjoyed this. So I'm sensing from a few things you've said already, you weren't quite so taken with it.
0: No, I wasn't overly keen on it. Okay. Um, I liked elements of it. I thought some stuff worked. It had a really dreary TV movie feel to it. I thought some of the dialogue was pretty poor Ooh. and delivered quite badly. Oh. There's a lot of scenes that. It was like the other person was holding up the words for the other person out of camera or something, off camera. It was. My goodness. uh, Particularly between her and Mario earlier on, uh, before they sort of. um, Before the relationship blossoms. Well, we should probably explain what the film's about before we. uh Oh, no, we don't need to do no. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you, I mean, the film opens with Jodie Foster wandering down a beach, uh, a windswept beach, I think, or yeah. maybe even
1: this rain. Is, this is Jodie Foster very much in tomboy kind of teenage mode.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and what, it's Halloween. It's also her birthday. She's got a birthday cake, how's that? She, but immediately gets a call from uh, Martin Sheen, who, did he... Uh, did he get a thumbs up from you? I thought he was fantastic Yeah, I, I he thought was, he was great. Because I mean, we're used to Martin Sheen. Um, well, yeah, he's played a variety of roles, but never really a creepy, predatory... Pedophile, which <laughs> and it kept me guessing when he turned up because he seems uh, not retarded but a little bit there's something a bit odd about him, isn't there?
0: Yeah, the way he keeps very
1: nervously referring to because um, the idea is Jodie Foster's character has come over from England, so she's not too familiar. And it's saying Canada, isn't it? Um,
0: yeah, it's a French Canadian yeah. production, I think. Because all if you look at the names on yeah. the uh, the crew, they the yeah. French-sounding names, but yeah,
1: Sheen's characters talk about, oh yeah, this is a big deal for us, and I'm just going to explain all these customs for you. And it's clear he's making them up, and he's just using them as a way to, you know, because he's just turned up at the door. He's, oh, my kids will be here in a minute and without spoiling too much because I suppose this is quite early in the film it was a surprise for me when it turned out that he did have kids and they turned up
0: because you really thought he was just a local but even um, when the kids turned up I was still sceptical I thought oh he's just seen those down the street and he's using that as an excuse but then they just go off with him anyway
1: yeah but, but it was very uncomfortable, mm. and I mean, an immediate thing. I mean, you said last show about Boom that you didn't like things that looked like they were stage adaptations because mm. it it's very clear, usually, isn't it? This did seem like a stage adaptation, and I know it was. Um, it a, was a, a novel lot originally, later though, wasn't it? All oh, right, I know it was a novel, and there was a. It was adapted into a single
0: act pr- play, I think. Yeah, because I think just going by my very. Than the uh, thin research that I did this morning quickly, um, the published stage play was only published in nineteen ninety seven. All oh, right. Um, but yeah, I mean that was one of my gripes is that, well you know th- what I thought was the wooden dialogue and delivery was all in the house, mm. and there's a lot of housebound Almost scenes. Almost entirely, yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't all bad for me. Foster was serviceable. I say that
1: <laughs> as long as people know what context yeah. you're using. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, thought, she I was thought she was excellent. I mean, she is a really good actress, and it's always uh, we tend to pick up on that when it's someone that young that you don't think they've got the life experience or whatever. But I think there's only one scene in this when she is anything less than it kind of takes me out a bit, and that is when she does make this one friend, Mario, a local uh, boy who's uh, a magician, a uh, conjurer, and there's a point when she finally explains her story to him because throughout this the mystery is um, created of Foster always seems to be on her own um, she's very evasive about where her father is um, does she make it clear her mother's not around at all mm-hmm. yeah but yeah we we as the audience knows something's not quite the ticket here and when she finally explains everything to Mario that does seem I think she does a good job with some sloppy exposition but she yeah she seems more like she's in a High school production of Sherlock Holmes, or something, <laughs> and it's explaining quite how things have, uh, you know, well, it's quite simple for me to do this. And <laughs> I um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm reluctant to say this had the feeling of a Harold Pinter play, mainly because I really don't know that much about Harold Pinter. <laughs> but it did, I, I suppose, when um, one of the few plays I do know is The Caretaker, and certainly. Um, or is it the birthday party? <laughs> I don't know which one it is. But did you get that sort of feel when Martin Sheen turns up and he's, his attitude towards Foster He's clearly got a very uh, unpleasant interest in her. And,
0: mm.
1: like I say, he's not backward, but there's something really wrong about him.
0: Yeah. He, and
1: it was especially uncomfortable because he's this quite big, bulking character. And Foster's, you know, what, she's about 12, 13 in it.
0: Yeah, well... Physically vulnerable. Yeah, not so much. I mean, I, f- I found him as a character just standalone, even without having, without those scenes. I thought he portrayed the character so well that it, it wasn't though he was like playing off uh, Mario or uh, what's Foster's character called? Rin. Rin. Rin yeah. um, the problem. Another <laughs> another problem that I had is that this was like f- the fourth sort of major mm. film role that she had mm. and it's another role where she's kind of in an adult role mm. you know you've got Taxi Driver where she's yeah. a young prostitute which isn't nice but she's launched into this adult world you got Bugs and Malone where it's, it's a <laughs> child world yeah. but they're kind of adults in a way. Yeah, Freaky so Friday where she's in an adult Is that a voice versus? Yeah. Of, right. And again she's <laughs> there's something about this I don't know. They were exploiting her. I think basically, like, there's there's this loss of uh, innocence that she's had throughout all these films, and it's a, for me, it's culminating in this. It's it's another one where I, like can could w- say culminating in the Beaver? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it does. Have well, what seen, was that one like about
1: it? the robot plane she did a few years back? The naughty plane or something. That what? The, uh, what's it called? Flight <laughs> plan. I think it's called. It's about some super new robotically um, controlled jet but I remember when the trailer for that came out I just thought man Jodie Foster used to do quite meaty roles and now this just looks like junk (laughs) I've not seen it maybe it's
0: maybe it's brilliant though I suspect not but yeah but for me this was it, it was just I wasn't that drawn in by the fact that she's doing this another role where it's A young girl taken out of uh, a a loss of innocence. You know, it's no, I've not thought of that, but that's um, kind of we never really get to see her as a child, do we? No, not at all. I I mean, you you just uh, the way she talks and stuff is like it's so obviously written by an adult. Mm. But yeah, I, I tried hard to get over that anyway, and I went with it. And when Mario came along she came out of a shell a bit more she had someone to confide in remarkably
1: quickly I think
0: that was yeah. that was
1: a problem I did have Was it was almost like the film needs to have her because she's on her own um, I hope that's not spoiling <laughs> things I think you probably get it um, she does need somehow to explain things to somebody on behalf of so the audience knows what's happening and yeah she she seems to confide in this guy remarkably quickly given the rest of the people she meets in the town are awful aren't they I mean there's, there's she his mother is oh, yeah. horrendous. Um, such a good performance by Alexis Smith there, and I thought that dialogue was great. I mean, when she turns up, Alexis Smith, who's the landlady of this property, who wants some glasses, some what they? jelly jars, jelly jars, yes, <laughs> <laughs> even <She laughs> some jelly jars back. And Foster's like, well, I'll get them for you another time, you know. But just little bits of her dialogue when she says, "Oh, I see you're learning Greek or something," he said, "It'd be more normal to learn French, or you'd be better off learning Italian given all the people around now." And just that way of letting you know what a complete bigot she is without really having to hammer it home—it's mm. just a, it's just a little thing like that, you know. But she's 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 excellent
0: in it, Alexis Smith. For me, at first, I thought that uh, the Mario character by um, I forget what the actor is called. I don't know if he really went on to do a great deal. Anyway, but anyway, yeah, uh, because I hated him at first. I was like,
1: "Well, he does turn up in a top hat and a cape, doesn't he?"
0: Yeah, he just seems after Halloween, like really wooden. Certainly compared
1: to Foster, he seems like yeah. But he
0: does. He gets into the role, I think, Mm. gradually. Um, He looked like a young Matthew Modine, I thought, and also his uncle, the uh, cop Ron, Mm. uh, who is. Actually, famous as He's a songwriter. In, yeah, yeah,
1: and I oh, did I write it down? I don't think I did. No, he did write some.
0: Oh, wish I knew what it was now. It's something quite because I read about quite that unusual. AD, I was like, yeah, <laughs> that that actually oh, leads us onto the music, mm. which mm. was a hodgepodge of Chopin. Yeah, Chopin. Since. But, like, th- yeah, because there'd be, like, synth uh, renditions of Chopin, yeah. a la sort of uh, Wendy Carlos. Yeah. But then there's all the, these, like, really 70s funk soundtrack uh, going yeah. on as I, well. Like I, real
1: I waka like waka waka. the soundtrack, because it was used quite sparingly. Yeah, um, yeah well, we say synth, it would have been before synth, really, wouldn't it? But, yeah, you've got these g- kind of electronic noise going on in the background, but very occasionally, and it kind of. As with Boom last week, I thought those things kind of take you out. Any any danger that it might seem stage bound, I think that kind of takes you out of it a little bit. It yeah. reminds you of watching a film rather than a, a stage production. No, I really like the music. A scene that um, I just want to get your reaction to, Gordon. Uh, yes,
0: <laughs> is it is it the hamster uh, that
1: Martin Sheen and the hamster? Wow. Um, <laughs> Nothing to do with Richard Gere before <laughs> we uh, go any further. But was that a bit of an eye-opener for you? It
0: was, because I was like, what? Is he yeah. going to do that, really? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, because you can't
1: think of anything but Richard Gere. The The <laughs> wheel of rumour, Richard Gere. We're not making any uh, allegations. The wheel of rumour? The wheel of rumour, yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows the Richard Gere rumour.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they clip their toenails, don't they, so it doesn't scratch. <laughs>
1: I'm sure Cindy Crawford did
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, bloody hell I was well shocked apparently uh, Foster was really pissed off with the director a, the director was Nicholas G- Gessner who was a Hungarian didn't really go on to do a great deal but um, I imagine he must have been quite hard to work with because there's a infamous scene well I'm led to believe it's infamous where you see a naked Foster but well, it's portrayed by her sister
1: Oh, I was going to say, because I've got down on the notes, you know, nude foster body double. Um,
0: it's her sister. It does seem
1: like they've gone out of their way to not include her head, her face, except for the very end when it's... Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that was... Yeah, it was a weird scene. I found
0: that quite odd. I, d- I don't it know seemed like it, from it a male of point nowhere, of view yeah. as well. It's Especially with... Obviously, she's not pre-pubescent, yeah. but it's just that made me feel uncomfortable there's another filmmaker uh, Lucille Hadzihalilovic, who's married to Gaspar Noé who made a film called Innocence which shows there are lots of naked pre girls in it and had that same feeling of like oh, I feel very uncomfortable watching this as a, well, yeah, as a cause man there's,
1: there's this very brief kind of naked from the back shot of Foster's character although as we've said it's Foster's sister but it didn't really seem to need to be there at all, did it?
0: No, no, And given
1: that it is staged quite awkwardly so you don't see the face, Mm. it seemed like, why is this here at all?
0: Yeah, I think it was, uh, maybe it was trying to appeal to the exploitation audience to some degree. (laughs) I don't know. Mm.
1: So this, this didn't really grab you too much?
0: Yeah, no, I did enjoy it, but I didn't have any... Preconceived notions either. It's it's one of the weaker films that I've watched. I think mm. personally for the podcast. I uh,
1: suppose it's got that setup, but doesn't really go too many places with it.
0: Um. <clears throat> I think, like you say, the big problem is probably the staginess of it. Yeah. So they try to inject a lot of scenes with um, action. Uh, with stuff going on with yeah, things I mean, well th- happening um, outside of the house. Yeah, we've
1: not really explained what the main thrust of the film is—that setup. But beyond that, it's basically a sense of um, will. Will Foster's situation be discovered by the authorities, or be? And there's the sense of Martin Sheen's character as a bit of an ongoing threat. Mm. But um, yeah, I, sp- I suppose there isn't. I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot. You know. um I think it was well made but yeah I suppose it could have worked a bit harder at pulling the rug out from under you doing something but maybe that wasn't the point I'm not sure, like I said, it was based on a novel originally that may have had some other kind of reason for the book may have had some other kind of um, theme to it Yeah, it maybe wasn't intended to be a exciting <laughs> hour and a half movie
0: no.
1: um, I hate doing this and we should stop doing it because it must be very frustrating for listeners but the ending, we're not going to describe, but did you like the very, very last scene? Because I think it does something there which uh, gets around the idea of, you know, credits come up and people just walk out of the cinema or turn the. It turn was the very tape cleverly off. done, I thought, yeah. And did you think that very last scene was ambiguous or it definitely was something was definitely happening?
0: Oh, it was happening.
1: All oh, right, because I thought it was good because it was ambiguous, but then when I started reading about it on.
0: Oh really? Yeah. No, I thought, I thought there it was. was uh, over uh, it. <laughs> I thought it was not unlike
1: uh, the John Carpenter thing, the thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe I was not. Uh, maybe <laughs> I was seeing things that weren't there. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, but um, I suppose you no, can interpret it I, as you want. I thought that had a great ending. But yeah.
1: Um, thanks again to Andy for sending this. This. Uh, it's well. Oh, well, he sent us paper mask as well, which we both really liked. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is wow. This is a. Polarizing. I think this is the first one that you've disliked and I've liked. Yeah, so out of, uh, a,
0: it's taken what, up what, to 15 show for? <laughs> shows or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, a very uh, open minded
1: uh, reviewer.
0: <laughs> I'm not even a reviewer. Who'd have thought Martin
1: Sheen it. as a paedophile with a hamster <laughs> was going to be the tipping point for you? I can't believe people
0: like poetry.
1: Okay, competition time, or rather, just a reminder of what we're going to be doing for the competition for the foreseeable future. We've got a 20-minute headstand. <laughs> We've got our excellent T-shirts, Then you can see the design on our website, um, midnight-video.com. Phil's stroking his, even as we speak. Um, but, yeah, basically, we'll be giving away one of these with each show. Um, and in order to get hold of one, all you have to do is... I mean, it's open to anyone who sends in entries for our ongoing... Midnight Video A to Z. So as soon as you send an entry, and your name will go into a hat, and we will pick one out with each show.
0: But the the, the names of the people who have actually won the shirts will be in show 18.
1: I yeah, think be, because of the strange way we record, we're going to do a big glut of uh, t-shirt winners on show 18. Did we say? Yep. I don't know if we said 17 last week.
0: No, 17 will be the one we recorded. thirteen, system. I don't know. We're,
1: well, Anyway, there will be a show in the next few weeks.
0: Hey, we know what we're we doing. We know what we're doing.
1: It all works out.
0: Yeah, so it's just like how people have been doing it so far is through Twitter. And you can use the hashtag AZMV so I can find it quite easily. Or go on our Facebook page. There's uh, quite a number of people building up there, which is nice now. And obviously at midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk for people who like to write a bit more. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, you'll go in the hats, and uh, you've you got a chance to win one of these
0: incredible shirts. Yeah, my, my fingers are crossed for you. <laughs> I haven't stopped wearing mine since I've received it, to be honest.
1: You smell wonderful as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She'd buy those horror stories all the time. To really like horror tales, you have to be nuts.
1: An attractive girl is found murdered in a lift, and soon after, an erotic dancer turns up drowned in a bathtub. It's Jello time in 1972's The Case of the Bloody Iris, in which English, or at least English-sounding fashion model, Jennifer Lansbury, tries to stay one step ahead of the rubber-gloved serial killer while pursuing her glamorous career in Italy. But who is the murderer? Jennifer's flatmate? With a wildly inappropriate sense of humour? That ratty old lady who lives across the hall? the predatory lesbian neighbour, or the dynamic architect with his blood phobia, or none of the above.
0: So show 15 and we've got to our first giallo.
1: Finally, yeah, we've had a lot of requests and uh, the other week when we, were, when we got to meet Lee, Count Fosco, he was, I didn't realize he was such a big fan of, uh, but you know, his podcast, him and Mike, uh, who do the podcast Movie Matters, they've just had a giallo special. Um, but we we seem to say there's an awful lot an area we're completely ignorant of well I am anyway I've only seen uh, one other which was George Lazenby and Who Saw Her Die yeah uh, first yellow what did you think of this because it's quite a f- I think in Giallo circles. It's quite um, well regarded. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I've, I've been brushing up on my Giallo, actually. <laughs> I
1: can imagine you and Kiss Me, Kate singing that. <laughs> Brush up your Giallo.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, it's a genre that I've known of for a while. Um, in fact,
1: should we just explain it? Because it's I'm not entirely. I mean, it's, it's an Italian thriller genre, which is is it mainly about women getting killed? Would that be too? Would I be cruel Pretty to much, say that? yeah.
0: It's it's crime or whodunits. Mm. Um, very Hitchcockian in right. their influence, but it's generally they're very stylish. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of emphasis on how they look and how the camera uh, yeah. moves and how yeah. glamorous the women are and how you can torture them and kill them in such creative ways. <laughs>
1: And yeah, Dario Argento's kind of first few films were...
0: Yeah, Bird with a Crystal Plumage, Mm -hmm. which I think that kind of set the bar, although before that there was Mario Barber's Blood and Black Lace. Um, As we mentioned, there's a killer, a a rubber glove serial uh, killer in this. But that comes from Barva's Blood and Black Lace, which was carried into um, the go- the bird with the crystal the blue, gherkin the gherkin with a crystal <laughs> <laughs> yes, and into this as well. But yeah, I think this is quite well regarded. Yeah,
1: we're not going around in the sort of murkier waters of yet. This is a quite a well. Re- yeah, we're mean, not picking anything
0: too obscure or off. Not unusual too point. obscure. Yeah. The ones out of the ones I've watched so far, I'd say this is probably the weakest for me. I've the other ones I've seen um, I've been told by actually Giles who has Mm -hmm. been in touch with the show a few times he's probably the biggest Giallo fan in the world (laughs) it certainly comes across like that (laughs) if there's a special mastermind on that yeah he'd he'd be up there winning Um, he put me pointing me in the Direction or a few others, which I've really enjoyed, and apparently they're not the normal sort of. Okay, uh, they just something the a bit different with the. So I've been enjoying those. Yeah. So this was a lot more run of the mill.
1: Okay. um, Well, I yeah, like I say, I'm not that familiar with Giallo and my kind of bit like I say, my only the definition I knew of Giallo was it were um, it were is that they were that yeah they were basically murder mysteries, but they did seem to. Take some delight in beautiful women being um, killed rather bloodily, and indeed this starts off with a murder in a lift, which was um, wonderfully done. It was it was it amused me because yes, there's this packed lift. Uh, this girl gets killed, and I, I I did have a glimpse at your notes. I think we've got the same thing written down. It's so great when these three people see the lift opens. There's this dead gorgeous girl on the on the lift floor with blood all over the place and their response is more like um, a dog's craps in the lift yeah, or something. How
0: inconvenient. Um,
1: how am I going to get down? And yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's all people buzzing at the bottom but they don't know what's going on. But that one girl's there and thinks, well, I've got to go now anyway. I've got a modelling shoot to go to. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> and that doesn't <laughs> tell us anything deep about her you know, uh, shallow nature. That's just a piece of dialogue, isn't it? Yeah. That's just fairly typical of the film where people seem to act um, out of character is not the right phrase but they, they don't respond to situations the way that anyone else <laughs> would
0: and that's very typical of uh, Giallo films, yeah. certainly from the ones I've watched as well yeah. it's it's just sort of uh, not an inconvenience but um, yeah, murders are to a penny and well yeah, they certainly <laughs> be are damned in, in Giallo <laughs> actually, yeah.
1: yeah, that got things off to an odd start and I was wondering where it was going to go after that so, uh, I mean, how did you
0: find it? I, I did enjoy it um, I enjoyed it because of the usual you had the archetypal uh, cops in there who had their own little foibles that I enjoyed as well so you've got this gruff um, head of yeah um, he was the guy uh, the, the cops were the things I enjoyed
1: the most about. Yeah. yeah. there's that one guy who's in in charge of the case who just seems to spend all of his time complaining about how little money he has including his pension scheme I think but yeah that's quite nice because he's up against yeah he's up against the the beautiful people most of the characters in this are uh, fashion models Um, as we alluded to at the start of the show we've got this amazing photographer who looks like again yeah Yeah. I I looked at your notes Woody Allen Allen and Isaac Asimov I've got (laughs) written on mine but Yeah, yeah, he's the little guy who's balding but has grown his hair out. He's got the little horn-rimmed glasses. But the fact that he's then dubbed, and dubbed by someone doing an amazingly camp voice... Nathan Lane. Yes,
0: it's...
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's astonishing. And yet the way he speaks tends to suggest he's genuinely interested in the women sexually when he's taking these uh, snaps of them. But then going from this opening scene in the lift, we've got this... um, peculiar scene in a nightclub where the stripper act is uh, com- combined with uh, all comers wrestling <laughs> which really reminded me of Bamber Bambi and Thumper in Diamonds of Forever it was that kind oh yes, of yeah. I mean I know there are all sorts of uh, well guys um, pretty exclusively who are interested in female wrestling as a fetish you know, uh, peculiar souls that they are <laughs> Um rather like, I mean, again, when we met Lee the other week we were talking about New York Ripper, the Lucio Fulci, and um, that that isn't really a giallo, but again, it's it's women being murdered throughout, but again that has a lot of stuff that looks to be building up and going somewhere, and actually it's just nothing they're just scenes that someone thought would be quite fun to fill three or four minutes before that character gets killed. Yeah, and I, it
0: definitely. I mean, that whole wrestling scene—it just seems titillating. Yeah, I mean the way you it's know, shot as that's well. That's kind of
1: a remit here, I suppose. Well, yeah, yeah it, It's one of the things we um, we're, we're happy to cover, but yeah, or uncover, uncover, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, throughout you've got that. Um, uh, from there, I mean, just to stick to the plot, I suppose. Once the second victim uh, is found dead. Um, the two main characters or other main character uh, Jennifer Lansbury and her friend Marilyn, Marilyn. Um, blonde Marilyn, are moved into the, the murdered girl's apartment and this is just one of the craziest things in the film this is the thing I really had a problem with Marilyn, who's not a major character but throughout it is just making incredibly inappropriate jokes about being murdered, isn't she?
0: Yeah, I really like that, though.
1: Man, I mean, it goes back the other show when we were talking about Betty Blue yeah. and I just couldn't cope with this insane woman. <laughs> Again, I was looking at this character, Marilyn, thinking, if I knew you, if you were a friend's <laughs> girlfriend, I'm not sure how I would uh, deal with you, because she's awful.
0: Oh, I, I thought she was quite endearing. Really? Yeah. You didn't yeah. just think
1: she was a, a hottie?
0: well yeah she was that but no, I just love the way she just made light of all these like horrendous murders I
1: about think. a week after they'd
0: happened yeah. <laughs> the, the, the way she like, almost pretended to be dead at one point well like. she does <laughs> but was she because oh, she was under the water so I thought she might be just oh she was that deliberately
1: work. not answering there you know when they were banging on the door, <laughs> and you know, and they go in and find her <laughs> under the water. And it's, ah, I'm dead.
0: I'm a ghost. Yeah, she says I'm, yeah, a, I'm ghost.
1: a ghost. <laughs> yes, and you just think, what?
0: No, I I like that. I I like those bits. I I love the 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 thing about the this film, which makes it a little bit different from the other ones. I brought. It doesn't take itself too seriously at all. There's does a, lot have a lot of, of, of like, I think, intentional humor, humor. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not that was the intention of, say, like the writer, mm. but it's uh, I imagine a lot thing. of this
1: was done on the, on the cuff, wasn't it? Off the cuff, yeah. Um, I mean, there's yeah. another bit I do really like again with the police. There's the main guy who's moaning about his pension and <laughs> how poorly uh recompensed he is, but his his uh sidekick who's left to pretty much do all the sort of stakeout work, he's really funny, I yeah, think, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he will be seeing the beautiful people of is this set in Rome or um.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty Cosmopolitan sure.
1: Cosmopolitan Italy is yeah. but yeah, he'll be seeing all these wonderful people going off having exciting times while he's stuck in his car with a donut and a bit of black coffee or something. A salami sandwich. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I really liked him, yeah, he was great.
0: What did you make of how it was shot though? Because Um,
1: it was a bit yeah, I mean it it was a bit all over the shop. It had a lot of um crash zooms, which is not usually the sign of someone who really knows what they're doing very wonky editing although i'm a bit loath to blame them for that cuz this is a dubbed version we're watching it's possible it had some um tinkering mm. after the fact um i thought but no like i didn't th- think it was especially stylish i mean there's a because you got this stuff with the lift in the apartment block you do oh. have a lot of shots up the stairs and down the stairs and uh, through the stairwell
0: you know yeah
1: um, no, I mean, it didn't It didn't uh, knock me out particularly.
0: I thought there was some pretty odd choices of camera angles. Mm. You know, there's, there's a scene where the, like, the camera's on the kitchen table, and so everyone's a lot taller, and they're coming mm. in, it, it made this sort of, like, box shape. It was quite yeah. weird. And also, there's a bit where um, Andrea, uh, George Hilton's character, gets into a the car. Is this the free love man? Uh, no, that's... Or the uh, architect. Ad- is that Adam... I think there's the there's Adam and Andrew. About. Yeah, cuz there's yeah. the main
1: the, the main character we're following is Jennifer the model,
0: but mm. she's got two men in her life. And Who's one played is by Edwidge Fennec, yeah. who is not very English. <laughs> no, but she's like hailed as like the the queen of uh, giallo films. Wow. Uh, she, I think she's if you mention that name to people who love giallo then they're like
1: <laughs> men who
0: love giallo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's in <laughs> Hostel too. She's uh, oh, right. she plays the not Countess of Bathory but she is uh, kind of like, right, she kills the girl from Welcome to the Dollhouse
1: oh I remember that scene that's the one scene I remember from yeah
0: that, that she, well, she, that's, that's Although, she's wearing a cape yes, in this yes, as well so which is a bit well, she
1: wears ties a lot of the time, this is quite a peculiar big thing big ties, big, ti- big kipper <laughs> ties it's quite an odd, that must have been an odd few weeks in the early 70s when that was uh, the look it's, it's Italy, it's man. It's Italy. It's the style. <laughs> You've actually got the hand gestures there and everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're following her character, Jennifer. And she's got these two guys. One is an architect with a blood
0: phobia who yes. looks
1: kind of like Christopher Lee, doesn't he? You got wow. We're really on. Um, George oh Hilton looks like
0: Chris Lee, my bullet yeah, point says, but very dynamic. I mean, yeah, not,
1: not to say Chris Lee isn't, but this is a very conventional. Again, he's a young hero. He's, he's
0: used in a lot of. The, he's in a lot of these films. He's from Uruguay. I think. Yeah,
1: but I think isn't he Adam? The other guy is Andrea. No,
0: he's Andrea.
1: Uh, I've got back to front, now. but he <laughs> yeah. is a previous lover of Jennifer's from some free love cult, which we get flashbacks to. But yeah, that's an odd kind of element to throw in, isn't it?
0: Oh, we just need to get some group sex in there.
1: Yeah, although not a great <laughs> let, let, deal. Let's
0: film it through a, 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 a window that's got painted blue <laughs> flowers on it. It's yes, so yeah.
1: All sorts of strange things. But then other characters, yeah, there's the predatory. Le- yeah. She's not that much of a predatory lesbian, but there certainly yeah. is someone there to create a little bit of uh, hoo ha. Yeah. And this really. Um, aggressive old woman who lives over the hall, who, um, let's not reveal too She's much about secret. her. She's got a secret. But I have the idea that the guy at the newsstand says, oh yeah, she buys all these violent horror comics. And uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm not sure if that's a typical thing of Giallo, of present all of these suspects. And
0: Oh yeah, totally.
1: There was a point late on when another suspect appeared and I just thought, Oh, this is cheating a bit if you're throwing you know after all of this we're well over an hour into the film and you're going to have this other element that possibly is the solution to everything there were there were things like that which I just felt because I'm never that into who because I don't find them that you know engaging once once the mystery has been solved you're not particularly drawn to go back and watch them a second time I
0: find um, but I think that this is this is kind of the backbone of Jowlers is that um, you watch them once. <laughs> <Is> <laughs> Well, not not so much you watch them once. Well no, that, as you said um, earlier,
1: there's there's an interesting visual style. I imagine there are victims that people prefer
0: over yeah. others. And, and the other thing is like they don't re generally they don't really care about the plausibility of mm-hmm. who done it. It's more like uh, It's a framework how, to stick all the ingredients yeah. in. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it sounds like you're kind of, you know, you're dipping your toes into yellow. Uh your next your next conquest.
0: Well, I've got too many now. I don't know. Um, probably Death Lays an Egg, which the Mondo movie mm. guys covered, covered. Yeah. It sounds really bonkers. It's Renzi, boss.
1: Those two are really going at it. Don't be surprised if instead of a corpse, we get a birth on our hands.
0: So back to that old chestnut. A to Z of uh, film through midnight video. It's yeah. a new chestnut. It's still very exciting.
1: It's an acorn from which a mighty oak will grow.
0: Eggcorn. <laughs> <laughs> growing. Acorn. Yes. <laughs> um Yeah, so... Again, we've had some more people dropping off some of their samples. Lovely listeners. Oh yeah, we thank you we very much. Um, but as usual, we'll uh, we'll have our tuppence worth. <laughs> tuppence Middleton's worth. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'll let you go. You get the making <laughs> <naked noise. laughs> first. I just um, need to. Th- I need to think about. It. I need to contemplate. Contemplate that. <laughs> that. Okay.
1: um My C is, as usual, tangential. I'm going to go for Cinemania, which, uh, in fact, Cinemania 95, which back in, unsurprisingly, 1995, this was ahead of me going off to train properly and do my postgrad as a librarian. I was working at um, a sixth form college as the librarian there, and um, it was very exciting that the college had this DVD, um, what am I talking about, DVD? CD-ROM called Cinemania and it was so exciting, you put it into the computer and it had all of these films and everything was what I'd now call (laughs) hotlinked what I'd call, what everyone calls hotlink it was such an eye opener because I was used to having these really fat reference books on top of my TV set and suddenly had this and it immediately became a game to do um, the kind of I think it was probably, it was certainly before I'd heard of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but to, rather than just immediately go to another film to think, how can I get from Star Wars to Hannah and her sisters? And you'd have to go into, you know, someone who's in the cast and another film that they were in. And uh, it was fantastic. And it, I remember boasting to people down the pub about this, because I was, was still hanging around with film fans even back then, and nowadays, you know, this is kind of the norm that you've got that. But, I mean, like I say, tangentially, what I, what's exciting about that? I can remember the excitement of having all of this big depository of knowledge at my fingertips, you know, it's a bit of a cliche. But now we sort of take that for granted. And I think we, for all the shortcomings of things like IMDB and Wikipedia, the fact that if there's a film you've even just vaguely heard of, you can immediately find it, rather than thinking, oh, God, what was that thing that had that guy in, in, the, in the telephone kiosk at the end? And, uh, but, I
0: mean, you can type that into Google now, can't yeah. you? Just the briefest description. And yeah. you, you might not find it on the first page, but you yeah. get close.
1: I mean, you, you do get that excitement
0: if there's a film you've
1: really had to hunt
0: around and you've got a
1: vague memory of a scene that happened mm. in it. But, you know, it's there's no question that now we're we're really uh, we're spoiled by um, <laughs> how easy it is if there's a film you've vaguely heard of you can be you know you can be watching the trailer from it within a few seconds you know yeah Yeah. Oh, that's, that's
0: a brilliant one I've never even heard of
1: that well no this is the thing when it came out I thought wow this is the future isn't it and it <laughs> kind of was but obviously that must have just collapsed immediately Yes. Yeah. immediately it superseded within 18 months probably by the internet, the internet yeah, yeah. <clears throat>
0: Cool. Well, my C was gonna be uh, Vincent Cassel, who's oh. my probably my favourite actor, uh, male actor anyway. But then I got to from think from
1: what Black Swan or was it what's oh, uh, I reviewed these and I can't remember what the name. What was Haine? the French? No, no, no. The uh, Henn is very. Uh, what are Crimson the two Rivers no, no 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 there's the two <laughs> he did Public Enemy number one on the French oh yeah Mérine yeah, yeah. 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 No, he was those great are great those. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I, I've liked him in everything I've ever seen him do uh, even the films that aren't so good but then I got to thinking well actually no I'd like to put in in this day and age where everyone loves to just slag off uh, the multiplexes. Midnight video. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the way the state of Hollywood and how films are distributed and whatnot, I'd like to say Cineworld uh, for their Cineworld pass, uh, which I used to. We're not being sponsored by them, by any <laughs> you know, by the way. I had for a number of years, and you know, I pay £16 pounds a month direct debit. And this I does sound watch. like an advert for them. <laughs> I don't know how to get around no, it no, no, it's, 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 a, it's a valid description Yes And I could watch as many films I wanted at the cinema And yeah, there'd be ups and downs You know, the projection would be. I thought you were going to say You sat through, you know, Sin City or something Well yeah, I mean, I've, I like Sin City Well, each your own <laughs> um, You know, the Films would be badly projected, and you know, you've got all these sort of bugbears about going to the multiplex. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I was paying 16 quid to watch as many films as I possibly could. And I live in London as well, so I could go, I had a choice of a good like 15 cinemas to choose from. And that was great, you know, when I was. uh, Who is my wife now? She was living in France at the time, so I had a lot of spare time. I'd just go off and. just sit in the cinema I'd watch five films a day in the cinema it was it was what? fantastic like, really? yeah bloody hell yeah I'd, go, I'd like cycle down to Wandsworth and watch films there I'd go to uh, uh, Surrey Keys the other way I'd, but mainly I'd I'd go to Central London because that's where they'd have uh, slightly more ultra mm. films um, this is going to be a big
1: ask because I know it sounds like it was a while back can you remember the most eclectic mix of films you watched in one day or bits of because oh, man, I'm trying to remember when it, I think the most I've done it just like a normal cinema rather than something that was advertised as a triple bill. Right. Again, what was this? Ninety four. I remember I went to see The Crow, Serial Mom, <laughs> and Naked Gun thirty three and a third. I mean, it's not eclectic, but I remember no. that was like a real blowout of how we're going to watch three films in one day. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> But man, I mean, yeah, I bet you could get quite a sort of peculiar mix yeah, going Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I really can't remember. Okay. I was, no, I was watching that's a lot. A bit much to ask you on the Yeah, I mean, there was some weeks I'd, I'd, I'd have watched like fifteen films in a week at the cinema.
1: Bloody hell!
0: So that's a pound okay, a, a so, pound film. So I don't want to keep going on about this
1: fright fest. Won't be any hold to no fear it's for still, you. It's
0: still tiring, believe me, because you do it five days in a row. We suffer. We <laughs> all suffer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, hello to Hans Olo Johansson, who uh, we've been having a little correspondence with in the last uh, week or so. Without doubt, Enzo Castellari, the back catalogue of titles alone, such a foundation of my film watching experience growing up. Back when you had no idea and rented videos on the sleeve alone. Not Bronx Warriors! <laughs> not that we'd ever do that. <laughs>
0: But I just yeah, Bronx Warriors he did, which we saw at Cigarette Base. Yes, yeah. <laughs> excellent
1: film night in London.
0: Yeah. yeah, And I've got from Richard Sampson, um, one of our friends and likers on Facebook. Cinema Sewer. Without oh a doubt, my favourite book stroke magazine on cinema. Full of strange offbeat movies and written with genuine affection for the films covered. These volumes are essential for the underground video fan. The hand-lettered, hand-illustrated pages are a joy to read and keep you coming back time and time again to read the odd review. Great stuff. Have you ever read Cinema Sewer? I uh, have both of them. Yeah? Oh, I wouldn't One mind having a look at those.
1: Because yeah, I remember that turning up on... Um, because of the cover's a kind of graphic design thing, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, in that terrible shop we used to work in, mm. it always used to turn up on the comics trolley. Oh because right. <laughs> it has this kind of woman with a kind of celluloid bikini, doesn't it, on the cover of one of them.
0: Yeah, one of them she's kind of wraps someone up in in a chair, yeah. a guy, and yeah. the other one she's in a suit like in yeah. a suit with a camera But in with it. all her exciting bits covered yeah, with yeah, um, it's a bit manga esque. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But no, um, there was a film they covered in that, because, yeah, it's all handwritten, (coughs) the the, the type in it. And there's a film they review, which they said is interminable, called Things. But it's so difficult to find anything about because, obviously, you put that into Google, it's just, you know, how are you going to find it? Things film, (laughs) (laughs) things movie. Um, Giles Edwards, their old pal. C is for Court. Ophel's psychodrama with Barbara Bell Geddes trying to escape a sadistic marriage to arch-bastard Robert Ryan. Not one I'm familiar with. I'm going to have to... uh, Was it Charles who suggested um, the Douglas Sirk movie a few weeks back? Yes, uh, Uh, but but we weren't sure if it was... Is that Douglas Sirk? That's Douglas Sirk. I was getting confused with the Julianne Moore kind of... What's that called? Close to Heaven, maybe.
0: Yeah, the Todd Solance. Yeah. Is it Todd Solance? Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes
1: the Todds
0: <laughs> it's a world before teas for Todd
1: yeah. Todd Browning get the whole thing going
0: hello Toddy <laughs> uh, and finally we have Rich Wells back again C is for CGI blood a bugbearer of many a film nerd while the technology is undoubtedly there for it to be realistically achieved the problem comes when low budget productions use it badly as a cost and time effective alternative to practical effects the first example that came to my mind was the otherwise excellent Valhalla Rising a minor distraction granted but a distraction nonetheless long live the squib you're a big fan of Valhalla Rising fucking love that film yeah. <laughs> it's outrageous how much I like that film <laughs> <laughs> uh, god that sounds shit <laughs> no that's, it's sounds it's, it's so good a trip um, to
1: Ragnarok in kind of um Viking burials and all sorts of misty kind of filters.
0: I can, un- yeah, and I can understand where Rich is coming from with that. Um, because no, the first, the first thing I had was Satorichi's uh Takeshi Kitano's film, which had the sort of it's quite a purplish tinge, it looked like the Klingon blood in Star Trek. Star six. Trek 6 they
1: have pink blood, that
0: name, yeah, it's kind is, of like yeah. that. But, you know, yeah, it is... A I, I would like to stress again, I'm not a Star Trek fan, particularly. <laughs> but you just know it. You I just know, know it. I all. know stuff, yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. I know stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm all about the squib, but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes... That's the
1: next T-shirt already. <laughs> all about all the squib. All about squid. the squid.
0: But sometimes, you know, like you say, you know, it's cost and time effective. Um, yeah, exactly. it's a funny one. It's a... It's I think CGI blood is probably the least problematic
1: so <laughs> what an earnest chat,
0: <laughs> this
1: should be on the Jeremy Vine show <laughs>
0: the Jeremy Lynch. Kyle show <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He's a craftiest creature in the woods and he's never been more audacious than in Ladislav Starevich's painstaking 1930 French-language animation The Tale of the Fox, in which seemingly every other beast in the forest gets bamboozled or physically battered as a result of crossing paths with a wily Renault. Will the outraged and regal lion fare any better once he's heard about all the bother his courtiers have suffered?
1: So, as we may have uh, alluded to before, you have a charming French
0: wife oui <laughs> monsieur.
1: Um and she was very familiar with this story wasn't she? Maybe not the film but
0: uh not with the film at all. Um yeah within France it's an old medieval folklore tale um about the adventures of Renard Renard yeah. is French for fox. Yeah. Um but is also a character called Renard and he's a cheeky blighter. He's a right cheeky. But fucker.
1: did did Estelle sit through the film with you? Or no, she she did better things no. to do. Because okay.
0: We had to watch this on YouTube yeah, um, in parts, so no, she she's not for sitting down watching films yeah, in parts. Yeah, but
1: it was, yeah, I just happened to be, yeah, I mean, I, I've said a few times, I'm quite interested, I'm getting more and more interested in the early days of cinema and, um, I was wondering where animation kind of kicked off, and it's a main, The the main thing I have to say about this film is it was made in 1930, so film itself isn't that old at this point. You know, sound is only a couple of years, and, and presumably animation and film are kind of yeah. inextricably tied. I'd also
0: in. like to think, um, because from what I've read about this, this was 10 years in the making. Mm. But it took eighteen months to make, which is the best part of two years. So you could say it started in nineteen twenty-eight.
1: Okay, I mean, did did you say two years or ten years?
0: Ten years was in the making, like the ideas A lot of that were formulating. Was, right, because I mean,
1: something I read was um, I'm not sure if this is right. Did they eventually have to get German money to complete the dubbing on it? So yeah. it has some quite dubious. It came out in obviously date, you know, thirty-seven in Germany. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... That's interesting because I've not. Yeah, I want to just. <laughs> that's interesting because that may that may um, impact on stuff we're going to say a bit later on perhaps. Um, but no, given this is 1930, I remember finding. I, I you know uh, I think this is one of the earliest full-length animation features. I remember sending you a clip of it on YouTube because it was it just really knocked me out. How in, how incredible the animation is! It's, it's model work. It's all stop motion but amazing, and I sent you a clip and you know, you said this looks a bit special <laughs> we're <Yeah>. going <laughs> to cover that quite soon <laughs> the animation in this is absolutely flawless, it's absolutely amazing
0: You know, I'd say it stands up to anything nowadays, absolutely. and probably um, outdoes some stuff
1: again, I seem like I'm going over arguments I've made already, CGI I absolutely appreciate that CGI involves people really putting a lot of work in, and craftsmanship to make it as good as it is but there's something that just looks a bit bland and production line about it. I, I, you know, I I can't help that. Whereas with with this kind of physical animation, you can it's it's much much easier for you as an audience member to see or imagine how much work has gone in, mm. and you can see it's animation. But it's so incredible, isn't it? It's it, this is the early days of film. Yeah. But he's really gone to. Uh, <laughs> he's really gone to town. How perfectly he's captured all the m- movements in there—just tiny, tiny movements that really—you'd you, have thought this early on in cinema, people would just be happy for something to move from A to B. But he's really invested lots of character in all of the
0: yeah, the could, individual. That uh, clip that you sent me was the lion. Yeah, um,
1: who's like a king, isn't he? He's on a
0: throne with a yeah, he's a. And it is just it really because the first five seconds of that clip is the lion sort of comes down towards the camera. Well the and camera zooms so in on him. Oh is it is Yeah. That oh, and
1: again right. you're thinking that must have been technically <coughs> so difficult to do with stop Zoom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you zoom on stop motion. And there's so many bits in this. There's a scene with some frogs who are clearly animated, but they're on a pond and I was thinking. Who well, needs water- Paul McCartney? Well the water <laughs> <laughs> Well, who does, yeah. Um <laughs> The water's not animated. How did they do this? And after a while you worked out there was a there's a kind of a green screen effect that they would use then, um which is going Going off, but I know that's how they did Claude Rains in The Invisible Man. But you're just watching it, and it's be, you're not taking anything for granted. You're thinking, "How the hell did they do that?" And you know, I really can't get over how good I the animation is
0: no, in this. But before we run away, yes, um, <laughs> yes. just a brief summary of the uh, the story is that basically the plot concerns. Wiley Fox and his uh, family. And Fox is a we're, bit. We're of a calling cheeky. him Wiley. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's cheeky. He's Renard. He, right, nah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he um, seems to constantly play on the other characters' weaknesses just for his own um, amusement to some Yeah, degree. he's
1: not particularly getting anything out of it. It's not like. Because, I mean, something that came to mind during this is things like Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox, which i have not read for a long time. God knows I've not watched the uh, the recent animation of it.
0: Who um, Wes Anderson is down as saying this was a massive influence. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you've not seen it then you'd. Re- I've seen it and uh, yeah. yeah it is obviously.
1: Character wise or in terms of the animation being very physical and... A
0: bit of both I'd yeah. say more the animation being mm. very physical but there is that uh, it's a Wes Anderson story in a Roald Dahl uh, world is yeah. that you, so you've got those Hmm. he's never going to get the characters that um, Starovitch yeah. has um, yeah. across, because there's so much with the haze code and stuff which a lot of well, people yeah, are alluded is, this to this working you know. in a
1: very different time yeah, um, but morals thing, are a little bit more murky, morals are a big point we're going to come on to but um, the thing is, what I remember of Roald Dahl's Mr Fox is he would Bamboozle people, but it was usually so he could have a fairly get-by kind of lifestyle. Whereas mm-hmm. in this, the fox seems to be screwing people over for his own amusement. He, he doesn't stand to make much.
0: No, but he, he I. Doesn't,
1: you know, it's not like he has to in order to get by in life.
0: No, we're applying
1: moral codes to these animated animals.
0: It's 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 true, though. But but (laughs) this was—it's really funny if you watch this on YouTube and you read the comments. And there are a lot of people who are like saying, you know, this is wrong. You know, this is why the Hayes Code came in. You know, to show people what's right and what's wrong. And I think fuck that. I think I'd much rather watch this where there's a—you're pointing your finger (laughs) now. There's a character who's just like. He's exploiting people's idiocy because they're all idiots. They are, I think, generally they show themselves up for being um, followers. You know, we're talking. I suppose we're getting into communist sort yeah. of ideals now, whereas everyone should be the same. You know, there's one person who's saying. It's working down from the lion, and he's got his kingdom, and everyone goes to him with their problems. But everyone's on an equal level, pegging or whatever. But you've got fox who lives in his own castle away from everyone else, wanting to be different, and he's poking fun at uh, the church and religion to some degree. And you know,
1: uh, yeah, this isn't like Little Nemo, particularly. <laughs> no, I mean it's
0: it's it's ingr- but you could watch this without noticing that as well. It's fortunate that in a way we're reviewing it, so I'd. I think I could have watched this and just been happily entertained, but mm. I was trying to get something out of it as well. But it comes across like there's a very. There's, there's, there's no messages, avoiding it.
1: Like. It's so unlike. Because it is obviously a storybook kind of setup, but by the end of it, and I'm not sure whether to mention the ending, um, throughout it, you've episodes when the fox will um, take advantage of people, but for no good reason. And the king's, you know, I can't believe this is happening. The lion on his throne. Um, you send someone else off to sort them out. They, they can't do it. By the end of it, you've got the king deploying all of his forces to lay siege to the fox's castle. And then after that, you've got the actual finale. So presumably the moral point that this whole film is making, um, which I don't know if you're happy to reveal, but I was just, what?! <laughs> I thought the ending was unbelievable. I've never seen a film like it. It was <laughs> like, um, man, there must be an equivalent. Um, is there? N- not in children's kind of animation, but just the ending of this. The moral point is more like something you get in a Todd Solondz movie or something. <laughs> it's like some grim kind of reflection on how life truly is from an animated fox and uh, <laughs> and a lion yeah after we've had some performance at the gallows <laughs> 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 this is a, a bizarre movie, yeah, I was thoroughly baffled by it. it was almost like the fox was baffling me just by me watching this movie kind of <laughs> eighty odd years after it was made
0: yeah but I, th- that's what totally sold it to me was uh yeah, I don't want to say he's a nasty bastard. <laughs> But he. Well, he is. But he's kind of. He could have just. He's poking fun at these people because they're just so stoops in their own idiocy. But he could have just
1: got on with his life. He's got his. You know, he's got his little. He's a
0: fox, he's cunning, he's wily, you know, he has all these. These. Attributes, is that the right word?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, just an example, one of the early ones, what is it? Does he get a wolf? And tells him that he can he can catch well. some fish. No, is it? Uh, who's the first one?
0: Yeah, the wolf. The wolf. Yeah, he gets the wolf twice. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a message there of you know once bitten or no, whatever. But um, he gets the wolf and says, oh, you you can catch some fish because you've got a tail. So I'll I'll put this hole in this frozen lake, put your tail in the fish will come and you know you'll be able to catch the fish on your tail. What happens immediately is the 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 um, the ice on the lake freezes over again. The, the wolf gets his tail caught, but then beyond that, the fox then goes to the locals and goes, "There's a there's a wolf, there's a wolf out there." What are you going to do about this? And the locals come and beat the shit out of him. It's really violent, isn't it? It's brutal, yeah. And throughout it, anyone who tries to just anyone who just encounters the fox, not like they're trying to do anything you know they just have the misfortune to meet him and he's you know they end up with black eyes and you know crutches and their arms in plaster and uh, my god I'm not sure he's <laughs> is the is
0: is very definition of an anti-hero for me because he, he's, he's, he's just a Clint naughty animated, he's naughty and bad <laughs> and wrong and like a little bit mischievous I can't help but like really uh, not relate to him but
1: Wish I'm you totally. Were here. I'm
0: totally bought into that. I'm totally bought into this sort of guy who, you know, the, the, there's another scene where he's the wolf. He's down at the bottom of the well. The wolf sees him and he's like, "Oh, what are you doing down there?" he's like Oh, I um, mean indeed. heaven. Yeah. I mean, I mean heaven. And he persuades the wolf that he's dead and that he's experienced in heaven. And there's this whole yeah. amazing sequence. It's heaven's. It's like the heathers, isn't it? He convinces yes, him yeah. that committing
1: suicide <laughs> is going <laughs> to be the best thing that could possibly happen.
0: It's brilliant. That is a good so scene <laughs> in
1: that um, the way the fox describes heaven. Everything is winged in it. Mm. A, you know, ev- every inanimate object has wings. <laughs> <So> things like <laughs> angels I mean, the visuals in this are just amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, it's the only feature-length film that um, Starovich ended up making. He's mm. he's done a number of shorts, which you can buy from Amazon.com or you can get Regent One DVDs. Well yeah. happily,
1: quite a lot is on YouTube as well, Yeah, you want to just get a dip your toes in. Don't freeze your tail in uh, <laughs>
0: what you're dipping your toes in. But Yeah, I mean, technically, it's it, like we were talking about how good uh, Baron Munchausen was on the last show this is so much better but it's like 30 years before I mean it, it, it's a real testament to like the skill and ingenuity of uh, puppeteers or animators yeah, of the time Absolutely amazing. I mean
1: I'm not sure this again maybe this is my ignorance I've not particularly heard of uh, Starevich
0: no 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 me
1: the only thing this possibly might have rung a bell for me is I know um, the old grey whistle test this sort of very celebrated British music show from mainly the 70s it carried on into the 80s because that was mainly an era before um, pop videos if they had an album track they wanted to illustrate they'd play it but you'd, they'd usually use a piece of old animation to go along with it and um this looks like the sort of thing that might have cropped up in there but you know it seems forgotten and which is just criminal this is such good animation
0: um but i think well, there must think have been a number of people who've seen this animators or otherwise because mm-hmm. you have there's like a sequence with like the dancing mice and stuff, which is yeah. so much like Bagpus. <laughs> yes. We will find it, we will miss yes. it. <laughs> and um Brilliant.
1: I mean, weird allusions to things that happened in cinema afterwards. There's a whole bit at the beginning oh this is an old literary technique, but um when the wolf's telling his tale, but then in the lion's court there's the badger who's kind of uh Reynolds cousin. Mm he'll say no 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 this is what happened I was thinking god this is like Rashomon or yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you get all these different <laughs> angles of this same story being told <laughs> and then weirdly later on just to just to illustrate how grim this is uh, when the cockerel turns up with the <laughs> remains of his wife
0: Madam Hen,
1: Madam Hen <laughs> pulls back in this court <laughs> in front of all the courtiers pulls back the sheet and you've got this like uh, partly consumed uh, chicken skeleton <laughs> And it's kind of the equivalent of some scene in Hostel or something where they (laughs) cut away and someone's had all the musculature and uh, whatever taken away from their legs or something. And it, yeah, well, it looks like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. It's <laughs> yeah. really a, that that idea of the bird skeleton is quite a kind of constant through. Uh,
0: but even better within that is, you know, you've got the little chick going, "Mama,
1: yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> horrible." I'm genuinely well. This is probably obviously this is made in an era before you had uh, men in suits deciding who watched what. But you think this ostensibly looks like a children's movie, but. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a great fairy good
0: tale, Is in G R I M. <laughs> yeah,
1: it doesn't send out a good message.
0: <laughs> it's a hell of a film, though.
1: Yeah. Um, well, are you going to drink a little toast to Mr. Fox?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cheers, Foxy. You cheeky Renault. <laughs> cheeky foxes aside uh, we've come foxes. to the end of another show I'll get my blunderbuss ready if I see that little <laughs> bastard oh no I like foxes as always we'd love to hear back from you but just before that <gasps> show 18 uh, we're planning ahead a little bit here because I've, I'm going away to France for a couple of weeks <laughs> you've watched the fox and you're inspired yeah you're oh, I want to go and take over I can control those French No we've got busy summers ahead with various
1: bits and pieces so yeah Um,
0: Yeah show 18 18. We're going to do something a little bit different Um, We're going to relinquish films, the visual aspect and focus on the audio So we're going to have a show dedicated to soundtracks Mm -hmm. Um, Soundtracks that we like or have favoured Or we've Uh, got something to jabber on about Basically, yeah.
1: <laughs> Lord knows what we're gonna do. Uh, we haven't really got a format ready for this yet, but we're clicking about half a dozen soundtracks each. We're gonna try and fill up a whole show <laughs> with that. So I'm sure we'll manage it. <laughs> but we just thought we'd take this opportunity to, you know, let you let you guys know. And if you've got any uh, anything you'd like to contribute to that show, you know, because um, obviously we we're only going to be able to mention a few soundtracks. But there's stuff that you especially love or especially hate um you know get in touch with us let's us know um, yeah i'm def- sure you're going to introduce us to stuff we've never heard about
0: um. hopefully yeah i mean I, i've been listening to some stuff recently and yeah i'm quite depressed how much, how modern it all is uh, yeah so yeah love hate loathe um or maybe there's some that just have never been released that, that's criminally uh, anything, overlooked anything anything you've got to say about
1: soundtracks, stuff that should be released um mm-hmm soundtracks which are too good for the film they were attached to sound tr- uh, movies which really deserve much better soundtracks you know anything you got to contribute we're gonna love it and lap it up
0: yeah bring it on show
1: 18 which we'll be recording in a few weeks time so um
0: yeah and in fact by the
1: time you hear this it'll probably have been on Twitter and uh, Facebook for a while and, and our website so we're looking forward to your contributions
0: yeah and in case you've forgotten you can get us on Twitter at at midnight video, or email us at midnight video at hotmail.co.uk.
1: Or we have our own website, which is uh, constantly updated with uh, all sorts of extra bits and pieces, uh, which is midnight video.com. Or yeah, go onto Facebook and check us out there.
0: Yeah, uh, Facebook Midnight Video. Uh, again, the, the, uh, the Facebook page is kind of uh, adjoined to the uh, blog in a way. You know, there's always extras on there about the shows that we've done. You know, little aside, supplemental, and yeah, just a little reminder that you know comments on uh, iTunes are always appreciated.
1: Yeah, and as always, get your uh, get your contributions for the midnight video A to Z coming in. What are we going to do now? Up to F. Yeah. Fuck any it. anything up to F will be included. We are with any stragglers? If you've got some uh, particularly good A's. A B nowhere. C
0: D Z F. Ropes are F now.
1: <laughs> but no no G's. No G's in the house yet. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Get it going. We can <laughs> handle it. Okay, thanks very much. Hope you've enjoyed tonight. See you soon.
0: A feed design. Considered the GAFU master an ingenious invention. Of great educational value. Gee.